0: Welcome to Investor's Org. My name is Ahmed El huy and today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Adrian Stone. Adrian, how are you? Good thanks, Ahmed. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming in. No worries, anytime. It is my pleasure. So, Mr. Stone, tell us the story. <laughs> how you got here, what you're currently doing, how how things are going. Yeah, okay. So firstly, so Investor's
1: Org, uh, I co-founded it with uh, Brian Goldberg who uh, who obviously introduced us? Yep. Uh And we sort of introduced, uh, we created the network uh, about two years ago, maybe three years ago now. Time flies. And we created it as a way to uh, to connect high net worth people, family offices, with what's going on in Silicon Valley. Okay. So we brought a lot of venture capitalists out from the USA, like John Teo, who invested in Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter when an they IPO. We brought Dave McClure from Five Hundred Startups. Oh wow. And uh, that's sort of always an extension of the work I've been doing with early stage startups. So, for example, in this office today, this is the Dream Factory in Footscray, which is Lonely Planet's old headquarters. Yeah. And uh, Danny Unlegor from the, uh, from the Impact Investment Group bought the building, turned it into a green building, and gave most of the space over to Inspire9, which is the premier co working space for the tech industry. Awesome. in Melbourne, and this is where I've been spending my time meeting with early stage tech startups. It's kind of my passion.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, you're obviously involved in the space heavily. Yeah. Um, Too heavily sometimes. That's why I'm taking an eight-week holiday. Awesome, <laughs> uh, like you. It's sometimes good to rest and recharge and, 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 and so on. So, um, we see, we hear a lot of successes, but we also, don't hear of a lot of failures when really the space is really filled with many failures. Um, What are some of the trends, patterns that you're currently seeing in the space uh, from the perspective of an individual who's been through many, many successful startups and has seen many failures in the space? Yeah, it's really interesting because,
1: uh, you know, people try and future pick in this Industry and try and pick trends. I mean the hot things now. I things like AR and VR yeah. augmented reality and, and, and Virtual reality, I've got strong views around that for example Virtual reality was easy to see that it would fail in the current marketplace because the technology is just not there yet yeah. But and that's just about pixel density how many pixels you can cram in front of your eyeballs Whereas augmented reality where it overlays the digital world with the real world you can see that's a technology that's ready, ripe and we're going to see some huge changes in that, in the marketplace. Uh, other trends are around the uh, voice. Uh, I think the time is right now where we will start talking to our computers much more than we'll be typing. AI. Uh, yeah, and with AI behind, I think more voice interface. For example, yep. just reached my pocket, I bought a pair of these, these, Apple, uh, these Apple devices, which yep. are the new Bluetooth earpods, and what people say is that, you know, that just looks like a Bluetooth earphone without the wire on it, but what don't realise is that this is a platform for communicating with your iPhone via voice and that you won't pull your phone out of your pocket anymore and wait to see what Apple brings out in September, and I think that strategy will become much clearer. So those are sort of technological changes, but you know, overall as an investor, I've invested in close to 60 tech startups over the last five years. Uh, I haven't invested in a single one five years ago. In the last five years, as I said, I've invested in in 30 through a fund I co-started called Angel Cube, which ran from 2011 to 2015. But parallel with that, I've invested in close to another 30 tech startups, And there's really no pattern across them. I've learned not to look in the future and try and predict the trend that's coming. I've learned to look more in the past and see are the founders really great and what have they achieved to the day they come and see me what's their traction, what they look like. And that to me is more important. The other thing that I've really realised is that in all aspects of my life of investing, uh, whether it be shares or real estate or businesses, I've always concentrated my portfolios. I've never diversified. But with startups, it's the opposite. I feel if you're going to invest in one startup, you should probably be prepared to invest in 20 or 30 because you need to diversify because the, the chance of failure is just so high.
0: So. Question for you: How much does the individual play on the decision whether you say yes or no? Yeah, that's a really
1: great question. Uh, you know, early on in in my investing time, in like with Angel Cube when I started the fund and when I personally started investing, we were all it was all about the idea. You get excited about the idea, and in fact, that was one of the reasons why we started uh, Investors Org because. You know, imagine if you're like me, you went out, built a business over 10 or 15 years, and then you sell the business, and you made a little bit of money, hopefully enough to retire on, and you suddenly figure, I've got a spare 200000 or $300,000 I want to invest in startups, and my cousin or my nephew or my son even comes to me and says, I've got this great idea, and you get all excited about the idea, every idea sounds wonderful, and you pump the $200,000 or the $500,000 into it, like I tell you, that money's gone. It's out the window, you're never gonna see it again. Yeah. So much better off to not focus on the idea and focus on the people. And I've learned that over the last five years that for me, investing in, in technology startups, ironically, it's all about the people first. It's all about the people. And then the next most important thing, once I'm happy that the founders have really got what I think it takes to succeed, like they're willing to learn, they're willing to make up their own mind on things. They're willing to really push hard, break through barriers. I mean, life is really tough. There's no easy things. I think the next thing I really look at even more than the product is, how big can the market be? And that's one of the big failures we have in Australia in particular. We've got such a small market. Uh, we tend to think that oh, I'm going to build you know, uh, Facebook for Australia. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Facebook, for Australia, is just not a big enough marketplace. Yeah. In fact, there's very, very few markets, in my opinion, where Australia is big enough.
0: Exactly. Uh, so, we spoke about the the individual and the idea. Now, one common thing that I've been seeing recently is um, many individuals are coming up with these very exciting ideas, solid in- individuals, but they're not coming with a complete business, so these startup or the concept or the idea that's so brilliant, they still don't have a way for it to generate revenue, which at the end of the day is bottom line is what counts. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you see? How how are you currently seeing that in the space? Is it very common still, or have they sort of knuckled down and realised that? their business needs to be making money in order to, to gain funding. I think there's two groups of people. Well, first of all, on the startup
1: side, they're always gonna push for money early because they generally overbuild their products before they put them in the marketplace. So it's front load their costs in terms of building a product too much. In fact, we discussed that about what you're working on. Correct, yeah. Uh, which is, a, I believe, a marketplace for... Sporting products. For sporting yeah. products. And yeah. my advice to you was, get the product out there as early as possible with the fewest features possible and then iterate on that. And most people have this grand idea and try and build the biggest thing to fit their vision and then take it to the market and spent all their money up front and find that the market wanted not that, but the market wanted that and it's too late for them. Uh, So that's from the founder side. So they want the money early. On the investor side, I see two groups of tech investors, particularly early stage tech investors. One group will invest in ideas, they're usually not sophisticated tech investors. They're usually people, as I said, like I was 10 years ago when I sold my business. You know, I've just sold my business and I'm interested in investing in technology. Or there'd be friends and relatives, you know, they're all willing to invest in the idea and too early. The technology investors in Australia, the ones who've invested in technology over a period of time, they're called angel investors are moving later and later and later. In other words, they want to see a sign of life in the marketplace. It doesn't need to be a lot of sign of life, but it needs to be a sign of, of life. And this is a trend that we're just copying what the US has learned. So Silicon Valley is always going to be 10, 20 years ahead of us. The early stage tech funds in Silicon Valley, like 500 startups, who've now invested over 2,000 early stage companies, they start off looking at companies that already a $1,000 a month in revenue, now they're looking at companies with ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue, and that's I think what we're starting to look at in Australia. Starting to look at you know startups that've got some revenue, and see, see some of the sign of growth in that, and then they might be really good
0: investment. I mean, it's it's a sign of the space really maturing up, and things are progressing and moving forward. Yeah. On the flip side, though, right the other end,
1: what we're seeing is too many companies now IPOing. Too early, yeah. so I get approached all the time to invest in you know pre-IPO deals for some tech companies usually somebody from America or Israel Who can't raise money overseas so they come to Australia and the ASX is in big danger In my opinion of becoming not the true stock exchange, but becoming just a place to raise venture capital Wow, and there's no liquidity in these companies so I very very rarely invest in pre-IPO or IPO stage tech companies because they're doing it just to raise money to grow because they can't get venture capital. So if the smart investors aren't putting their money in, why should I? Where's the liquidity? So there's that issue
0: as well. I mean, there, there was a, there was an article I read this morning actually about the current state of tech companies or even companies in general not acquiring IPOs in such in such a good time. I mean, apparently the, from from what they said, the market is amazing right now. Yeah, things are moving well after Snapchat went public or acquired the IPO that they thought that there'd be a whole uh, pattern after them. And they're very surprised that it hasn't happened. Yeah, so, well, I've got my very, very first startup was an American
1: tech company called Sev One. And they're officially a unicorn now, which means a $1 billion valuation, but they engineered that. So I'm not saying they're not worth a billion dollars, I hope they are, have got equity in them. But they raised $50 million for growth at a $1 billion valuation. The point is that now, even in the US, they have to go for an IPO. And that hasn't happened for last, you know, since we got that last liquidity event, three to five years. So you know, these companies that are becoming unicorns, they've got to IPO because there's very few trade sales you can make at that size. So it's going to be interesting to see if that market cools off or not. I hope not in this particular case because I'm an investor, but you know, the reality is I've got no liquidity unless they IPO a trade sale so the fact that they're worth a billion dollars is absolutely meaningless to me
0: wow there you go mm. but um, okay so we spoke about the trends and patterns and so on now what advice could you give to those young entrepreneurs that are out there seeking funding looking for that next investor to get involved in their business what do you guys look for how can we have, what's i'm not going to say formula because there's <laughs> there's no such thing what tips, advice could you could, could give these people? Uh,
1: well, you have to have a good story. So you have to build a good story around your startup, why you're doing it, who you are. I think you have to have done something before in your life. So if you're a first-time entrepreneur who's never had a newspaper round, never built a product, never had a lemonade stand, or there's no history of you being a founder before having done something, I would be personally suspicious. I think you're just another corporate person who's got an idea, and you know we'll give up and go back in the corporate world in two months' time if it doesn't. Because work it's too out. hard. Because it's always too hard. So you have to have staying power. Uh, secondly, I would look that you're trying to address a real problem. I call it the difference between uh, a, pa- a painkiller and a vitamin tablet. So if you've got a headache, you're going to be desperate to take a painkiller, and you are gonna do anything to solve that pain. And the best startups find that pain point in their customer base and just aim to solve that one pain point and people will eventually flock to that. Versus the other group, they've got a slightly better way of doing something, which is a vitamin tablet. Now, people like to buy vitamin tablets, stick them up on their shelves, but they'll buy them once and they won't use them over again and they won't tell their friends. No. So that's the difference. So, the, you know, they've got to be somebody solving a real pain point, uh, you know, a painkiller. Uh, and the third thing is uh, the third thing is market size. there's got to be enough growth to market and the most important thing is that as i said that they've built some traction up along the way so they've actually got customers who rave about the product and using
0: it regularly awesome awesome thank you for for that um so finally uh we've heard some great tips and points from you now it's time to sort of give back (laughs) where can we find you on social media yeah well so (laughs) Um, I've, got, I've
1: got a few channels. My, most of my work is spent... Uh, investors org is aimed obviously to help, you know, future investors and current investors, so I keep that channel quite to one side. Most of the other stuff I do is for early stage tech startups, so on like my Twitter channel, which is Small Time VC. We'll uh, link, link that
0: up for you. Yeah, yeah.
1: I have a Facebook page now where I try startup uh, early stage startups called I Will Try Your Lousy Startup. Which is kind of funny, but it's a Facebook Live thing I do every couple of weeks to try a new startup. Again, to help founders understand the difference between things like a painkiller versus a vitamin tablet. I explained a couple of weeks ago the difference between using luggage as an example. Surprisingly, the difference between innovation and disruption. Two completely overused words that mean totally different things. So that's called I Will Try You, Lousy Startup
0: on Facebook. Uh, and that's pretty much the best places to find me online. Awesome. Thank you very much, Adrian. It's been really a pleasure. We'll catch you all next on the next show. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks,